Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. This morning we're continuing on our series talking about uh, the harvest, looking at the harvest and seeing how it can uh, apply to our hearts. Uh, the first week we looked at uh, the parable of the sower and the seed and the soil and saw how the difference in the harvest was the difference in our hearts. If you can make one change in your life today to increase the harvest, the spiritual harvest in your life, the one thing that you could do, that you should do, is change your heart condition. Soften your heart. Be willing to listen to God and his word and, and to accept it and to take it in and to apply it. And last week we saw sowing and reaping. We saw the principle in the book of Galatians. Whatever you sow is whatever you reap. Of course, that's obvious. We know that and we understand that. And today is another principle that's one of those things where when you say it, it's, yeah, that's obvious. I know that. And that's pretty clear. But we still need to be reminded of these things. In verse number six, again, it says, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap, surprise, surprise, also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap, again, no surprises here, he shall reap bountifully. I wanted to take a look at this principle of sowing and reaping and the abundance that we can have in the harvest. Uh, last week I mentioned uh, that the principle of sowing and reaping is you reap what you sow. Also implicit in that is you reap after you sow. You know, you sow seed into the ground and, and you don't expect fruit to come out of it right away, immediately. Now, sometimes it does happen in life that I might have an act of kindness and have that kindness returned immediately. But oftentimes you would sow something and you would have to wait for the fruit. But also there's one more, which is you reap more than you sow. You sow a single seed into the ground, you might reap a lot of fruit. And that's what we're going to take a look at this morning is how we can have an abundant harvest. You know, Mark chapter 4, verse number 20 says this, and these are they which are sown on good ground. This is a principle that we looked at before already a couple of weeks ago. Such as hear the word and receive it. That's the condition of a good heart is that they not only hear the word. Sometimes people say, I heard you, right? You know, it's good to hear the word, but if we're going to be good soil, we can't just hear the word, we need to receive the word. We need to take in the word. We need to apply the word. Those that hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold and some 60 and some 100. You know, uh, in, the, in just the yearly annual cycles of farming and agriculture, uh, you know, in the fall season, you have the harvest, and you would harvest in all of the grain or whatever it is that you're harvesting in, and uh, you would maybe sell that, or you might use it for your family, or you could save some of that for the following spring. And that's what farmers would do, right? They would save some of the seeds so that the following spring they could begin to plant and repeat the process every single year. And just consider with me just your average farmer, if you will. That's just their every single year, that's what they've been doing, that's what their dad did, that's what their grandfather did, that's what their great-grandfather did. And so they're very familiar with this cycle. And let's say he, he went out in the fall season and had a, had a harvest, but for whatever reason, he was a little bit discontented with this harvest. I, you know, I was hoping for a bigger harvest. I want a bigger harvest. What could he do differently? 
What changes could he make to have a bigger or better harvest? And the principle here is this. You want a bigger harvest? You want to reap more good things? Sow more good things. You want to reap bountifully? Then let's sow bountifully. You know, there's a story in the Gospels of a, of a young man. The Bible calls him a young, rich ruler. And he came to Jesus and he asked the question, what must I do to obtain eternal life? And Jesus said, you know the law, do the law. And he gives several of the commandments of the Ten Commandments. And he says, I have done all of these things from my youth. He said, from, from a tiny kid, I've been doing all of these things. That was his testimony. Jesus responded, you lack one thing. Sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And he went away very sorrowful. You know why? Because he had great possessions. He had a lot of things and he wasn't willing to let go of them. And there's some discussion between Jesus and the disciples after that. But Peter makes an interesting comment. He says to Jesus, we have forsaken all. What shall we have there for? Peter is there. He sees the conversation that Jesus is having with this rich young ruler. The rich young ruler asks this question. Jesus responds, and they have this little dialogue back and forth. And Peter sees this, and, and the rich young ruler goes away very sorrowful. And, and, uh, and then after this whole thing kind of dies down a little bit, maybe there's a little pause in the conversation, Peter asks Jesus, he says, Jesus... What about us? He's looking at his peers, the other 11 disciples. We've given it all up. We've given up everything. What is our reward? You know what Jesus says? Jesus says, well, you will rule upon 12 thrones over the 12 tribes of Israel, but he also says you will receive a hundredfold back and also eternal life. You know what Jesus says? He says, you giving it all up? Let me tell you what you get in return. You get a hundredfold return back of what you've given up. What Jesus is trying to say is, everything that you thought you gave up for God was not given up. It was merely invested. It was merely put into a place where God can multiply it and return it back to you. You know, everything that we use and invest here on earth, it will all disappear, right? And Jesus says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He says, if you give something to me, I will put it in a place where it will never go away. It will never rot. It will never decay. You will be able to have it for all of eternity. And so God is encouraging us when we, when we consider some different aspects of our spiritual life and we take a look at God's word or we preach about giving or we preach about serving. You know, yesterday we had a, we had a cleaning day here at the church, our fall cleaning day. And there were many people who came. You know, I said, hey, let's, let's start at 1 o'clock. We'll come at 1 o'clock. And, and somebody came before 1 o'clock. They came at 1130. They said, I'm here for the cleaning. I was like, you're here an hour and a half early. Praise the Lord. Imagine if we had church service and people were here an hour and a half early, you know. People came so early, but she came and she was ready and she wanted to, to serve and participate. And we had many people come. And, and I know that sometimes the mentality on certain uh, service days or, or things that we do here in the churches is, is the feeling of, I have to give up 
a Saturday afternoon. But God is saying, no, 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 don't think of it that way, that you're giving up a Saturday afternoon. You're investing a Saturday afternoon. You're sowing a Saturday afternoon. Oh, you could sow to the flesh, you could sow and, and waste your time, and you could, you know, sow in temporal things. But God says, if you sow to the Spirit and sow spiritual things, you will reap bountifully. I want to take a look at this passage about the six fruits of the harvest that we get when we sow bountifully. Because that's the thing about those that take the Word of God, receive it, and apply it, is that it allows for them to be generous. That's the principle that God is giving to us. Is that if you give the, the specific application here in 2 Corinthians 9 is specifically dealing with money, giving money to support Paul and to support some brethren and to support some people. That's specific application. But what, what, what he's trying to say here and trying to communicate with us as well is when we understand the principle of sowing and reaping that God has given to us, that which is given away is never really given away when you give it to God. That which is quote-unquote given away is invested into God to return back to you. I know there's a number of individuals here who have some investments in different places, and uh, I'm not that familiar with investments, but I know there are a lot of different kinds. You can invest in a stock. You can invest in a bond. You can invest in real estate. And uh, I'm sure that there's all sorts of different kinds of, of investments that you can make. And, uh, you know, depending on how you do it or where you go, and, and uh, you know, somebody might say, oh, this has been the average ra rate of return. You know, you might get a 5% return. You might get a 10% return. If you're, you know, something very conservative, you might get a 1% return. Have you ever had an investment that says, I'm going to give you back 100% of your return? You'd be like, wow, that's, that's, that's a pretty good investment. Hey, I'll give you back 200% of your return. That's pretty good. right? Amen? Right? That's a really good investment. You say, hey, if I put this in, you will guarantee that I will get 200% back? That's, I'll take that. You know what Jesus says? He says not 100%, not 200%. A hundredfold means 10,000% return. That's the percentage here. And when you understand that, it's not like I'm not giving up anything. I want to give up more so I can receive more. I want to give more bountifully. I want to sow more bountifully so that I can reap more bountifully. Because the thing about percentages is it all depends on how much you put in. 10,000% is great, but if you put in 0%, guess how much you're getting back? If you put in $0, it could be 10,000% back. You know what you're getting back? Zero. It all depends on how much you put in. And so God is encouraging us through this principle of sowing and reaping and bountiful harvest. And, and when we understand the truths of God's word, it allows for us to be generous. Generous with our time. Generous with our giving, generous with our serving, because we understand every day that we come, and maybe we're just cleaning around the church, that is invested into spiritual things, amen? And when you come on a, on a Sunday, and you come to the services, and, and you see somebody here, you see an old friend, and you encourage them, that's investing into spiritual things, and you will reap that harvest back. 
I want to take a look at the harvest, the fruits of the harvest that Paul gives to us in this chapter. Number one, I see cheer in giving. Verse number seven says, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. You know, when you have something and, and, and you approach uh, an, an investor and the investor will say, hey, if you give me one dollar, I promise to you, I'll give you back a hundred. That'll make you a little bit happy, amen? Man, you'd be like, hey, where, where's my money? Where's my wallet? Let me go find an ATM. I want to pull out a little bit more, so I want to give more. So I can give back more. And when, when we understand the truth of God's word that, that God gives back to us bountifully, when we give bountifully, it encourages us to be generous and it gives us cheer because we don't feel like we're giving up anything. And we feel like, hey, I, I might be giving up some money, I might be giving up some time, I might be giving up some of these things, but I'm not giving up anything. God will give me back a harvest that's even better than what I'm giving up. And so that's why we can serve cheerfully. You know, yesterday was a, was a, was a working day. You know, and that, that's not the best participated activity of the church, amen? I mean, I understand that, right? I understand that, you know, when we have things like the fall festival, you know, and in years past we had like a chili cook-off. Everybody wants to try the chili and everyone wants to have fun with the kids, you know, and that, that's great, that's exciting and that's fun. And we want to do that and we encourage that and we have a great participation. That's wonderful. You know, when we have a Christmas Sunday, uh, last year we had like 170 people or something. That's great. It was fun. The choir was awesome. The, the kids did great. We had a lot of fun. We had great food. It was, it was wonderful. But you'll notice yesterday we didn't have 170 people here. <laughs> I understand that. You know, it's not the most fun activity, quote unquote, if you will, here at the church. But even in, in, in days where it feels like that's not as fun, we can still serve cheerfully. Amen. Because we understand that we're not giving up anything. I'm not giving up my energy. I'm not giving up my time. I'm not giving up of some other thing that I could be doing with my friends. I'm investing it. And so when I give it to God, then God will give me back bountifully. You know, we just had our missions conference recently. And uh, I was looking at, at the, the, the total number. You know, I, I was here for the missions conference for the very first time two years ago. Two years ago was the very first time I was here for a missions conference, and uh, that was the week when I flew in. I was here for the missions conference, and then, and then I flew back, and about a month later, I had everything packed, and I moved out here. That was my very first one. Now it's been two years later. The missions commitment for our church over the last two years, the commitment has nearly doubled. Two years ago, the commitments that came in, at least that which was recorded, maybe somebody made a commitment but didn't fill out a card. You know, there are those situations. But the commitment was about 30000 a year. And praise the Lord for that. We were able to support some missionaries. The commitment this year so far, maybe there's still somebody who doesn't, hasn't yet filled it out. We're about $2,000 a year shy of doubling it in two years. So if somebody hasn't filled it out, maybe you just want to fill it out. <laughs> We could say we've doubled it in the last two years. You know, that might be an encouragement. But, you know, you might think, wow, our church is giving away nearly $60,000 a year. We're actually giving out much more than that. You know, our church supports many more missionaries than, than the commitments can support. And you said, we're giving away some. No, we're not giving away anything. We're investing all of that. 
We're investing it in the lives of our missionaries and investing it in the lives of, of the people that they minister to. And we're investing it in the lives of those believers that are part of all of those churches. And we're investing it so that we can see people to be saved. And when we get to heaven, we're going to see those people. And aren't you going to be glad that you invested that, amen? That you gave it and you said, hey, you know what? I never met you on earth and you never met me and we don't know each other. But God will maybe, you know, tell us, hey, you know what? I got a great story to tell you about this and that. And here is a man or here is a woman in Gardena and they were a part of Bible Baptist Church and then a missions conference and they never committed before. But, you know, God you know, moved on their heart. And so they said, you know what? This year I'm going to commit $5 a month to missions or I'm going to commit $10 a month or I'm going to commit $20 a month and, and committed that and gave it to the Lord. And, and maybe we didn't know, but when we get to heaven, you know what? Because of that, this missionary was supported and was able to lead that man to the Lord. That's wonderful. That's amazing. Isn't that a wonderful return of our investments? Yes, it is. And, and, and so that's why we can give cheerfully. You know, when the offering plate comes by, you know, sometimes we have music and it's very, like, somber, you know, almost like it's sad. Oh, the offering time is... No, we should have happy, lively music, right? We should have, we get to give to the Lord, amen? You know, sometimes we sit there and we're like, oh, it's offering time. No, that should be the most exciting time of the service, you know? We get to, we get to invest financially in the Lord. And we get to have, you know, Saturday mornings and, you know, different events. You know, we have a choir that's coming up. And, and we practice for eight weeks on Sunday afternoons. You say, eight weeks? i got to come here for eight consecutive weeks on a Sunday afternoon? Yes, you get to invest that time so that lost people could come and hear people singing about Jesus Christ and the birth and his death and his burial and his resurrection and why we are here and salvation that is offered to all of mankind. We can serve with happiness. Let's be a happy church, amen? You don't have to feel like, oh man, I gotta come to church. You get to come to church. Hey, you get to invest in your life connections. Hey, you get to come and, and be a part of some service. Hey, when you come to church, you don't have to feel like you're being dragged out here. You don't have to feel like, well, I just got to do something. You can come and be like, you know what? I want to find a place to serve because if I serve, that's investment, and I'm going to receive a harvest out of that. So we can come and be cheerful. So let's be cheerful. All right? Let's be happy. Let's show the world, hey, we are investing into something. We're so happy to be here and, and to invest and to do all of these things. You know, it's, it's October right now, and uh, the thing about October season for many is that's when people begin to take family pictures, right? You know, you have your family pictures. Different people do it at different times, but a lot of times people do it in this fall season because, you know, Christmas is coming around. You want to send some pictures to your family or relatives and friends and stuff like that. And uh, so, you know, you, you go to a studio or you have a friend who's a photographer. You, you know, you, you do what you do for the, for the, the session. And, and uh, you know, at first, you know, if the photographer's good, they're good, right? You know, they're making jokes. They're making it fun. They're making it lively. But towards the end, no matter how good it is, it's, like, kind of hard, right? Like, you're supposed to be smiling and looking happy. But let's just be honest, your cheeks and your jaw, they're, like, tired. They're hurting, you know. But you got to smile for this picture. So you're, like, you're forcing out this smile. You're, like, take the picture, please. You know, take the picture. You know, like, you know, that can be high. And sometimes people feel like that's how we got to be here at church. Oh, I got to be happy here at church. But here is the verse. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. 
You can have a genuine happiness that's not a forced smile on the outside, but it comes from within. And it comes from knowing, you know what? Whatever it is that God asked me to give or, 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 or serve or sacrifice, I can be happy because I know I'm investing it. And I know the more I invest, the more I will receive. The more I sow, the more I will reap. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Hey, we can rejoice knowing the principle of sowing and reaping. That will be an encouragement to us to, to think about what God would have for us. One of the fruits of the harvest is cheer and giving. I also see that there is a capability granted in verse number 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. And that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Verse 11 says, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. You know what God does for those that give, those that serve, those that invest? It says in verse 8, and God is able to make all grace. You know what you need in your life? You need God's grace. You know what I need in my life? I need God's grace. We all need God's grace. You know, if you're saved, you received salvation. And it's, you are saved by grace, right? We are saved by grace. And so praise the Lord for that. But even on a daily basis, we need God's grace. We need his strength. We need his, his, uh, his capability. And God gives his grace to those that follow and obey and serve him. And notice what it says here. And God is able to make all grace. You know, everything that's in God's store of grace is available to you. To those that give, to those that serve, all grace abound towards you. That ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Verse 11 again, being enriched in everything to all bound. Do you, do you see the all-inclusive nature that God is trying to communicate to us? With his capability, you know, here in a congregation like ours, everyone's facing something different, right? Everybody has a different background. Everybody has a different upbringing. Everybody maybe has, you know, different aspects of their culture or the way that they think of personalities. Everybody's workplace is different. Everybody's trials are different. You know, some people have greater financial struggles than others. Some people have greater uh, family struggles than others. Uh, uh, everybody has so many different kinds of issues and, and things that you might be facing, right? And I don't know what they are uh, all of the time. And, and uh, you might have something that nobody else might know. But if you serve and you give to God and, and, and God moves on your heart to do something, to serve or to give, God promises to give you his grace. And his grace is capable in all things, in every situation, no matter what it is, no matter where you are, no matter who you are. That's the wonderful thing about our God. Our God applies to everybody. God's grace can be used for everything. So think about what it is that you're, you're struggling with and you say, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing. Just take God's word and apply it and live it and learn it and use it and be closer to the Lord and grow closer to the Lord and serve and give and be involved and God will give you his grace. And that grace is sufficient for whatever it is that you're going through today. 
I see that there is a capability that is granted for those that sow to the Spirit, that live for the Lord. Third, I see that there is considerable gratitude. Verse number 11 says, Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplied the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. You see here in this passage three times, thanksgiving is mentioned and repeated. Thanksgiving, thanksgiving, thanksgiving. And you notice that there is this expansion of thanksgiving because thanksgiving is not a limited resource. Here in, in the L.A. area, we're very familiar with limited resources, especially when it comes to land, right? Land is very limited around here, right? You go west, there's an ocean. You go south, there's an ocean. You go north, there's a mountain. You go east, there's a desert. Where is there to go? There's nowhere to go. You just stay right here. So everybody stays here and they live here. And what does that do? It means the land is so limited. And guess what? Real estate prices, they go up and up and up and up. Because there's not fewer people here. There are more people and more people, but the same amount of land. It's a limited resource. And we're, we're familiar with limited resources, but Thanksgiving is not a limited resource. Thanksgiving can grow. You know, when these people, they gave and they served, you know what it caused in Paul? It grew in Paul more thanksgiving. And it grew in the people more thanksgiving. And it grew in them more thanksgiving. We see that there is an expansion of thanksgiving, but we also see that there is an excitement that comes from thanksgiving. Verse 15, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Now, obviously, this was something that was written and not spoken. Maybe somebody read it in the church, but Paul wrote the letter and sent it, right? So Paul wasn't there and, and wasn't saying these things and somebody writing these things down. They wrote it down and sent it to them. But if he were to read it, how do you think he would have said that sentence? The sentence is, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Can't you sense the excitement that's in that sentence right there? Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable good. Thanks to God. Thankful for these people. Thankful for, ultimately, this is talking about what is the unspeakable gift. It's talking about salvation. It's talking about Jesus Christ dying on the cross. But what happens when people are thankful is they get excited. You know, different things get uh, uh, people excited, right? Some people get excited for food, right? Oh, man, right? The moment I mention food, everybody's thinking, oh, I wonder what's for lunch. Oh, I wonder what I'm going to eat. You know, I get excited about coffee. I know some people hate coffee. They are not excited at all. But you mention coffee, uh, if, if at all possible, I will go. <laughs> if you want to get coffee right now, let's go, all right? <laughs> right? You know, coffee gets me excited. You know, when I moved to Southern California, man, great tacos here. Oh, man, I'm excited. I'm excited for that. You know, me and my wife, one of our favorite foods, if not our favorite food, is pizza. Oh, we love good pizza. We love really good pizza. And so we would go on dates getting pizza all of the time when we were in New Jersey. We would go get pizza and pizza and pizza. Don't you get tired of pizza? No, I love pizza. I was so excited for pizza. If we didn't know what to do, we would get pizza because we love pizza. Different people get excited for different things. Sports get some people excited. 
You know, we have some neighbors who I don't know where they're from exactly. I have maybe an idea, um, but I don't know what country they're from. But I know when there's a soccer game going on because there's a lot of noise coming out of that section of our street. You know, and there's a lot of, you know, I can hear the, the background, the TV coming out, and I can hear people excited and, and uh, shouting and yelling and talking, and they get excited. A lot of different things get different people excited, sports, you know, sometimes politics gets people excited, food, and, and all of these different things. You know, the Dodgers are in the playoffs, right? Some of you are getting really excited about that. You know what's going on, and you know that they're playing it. And uh, when they win, they get excited. I don't know what, I, I, I'm not in your home, but I can imagine what would happen when they won. And they won yesterday, amen? All right, some of you are like, no, I can't be excited now. You know, we're in church, you know, I, I got to keep it down. But some of you are like, yes, they won yesterday, and you're excited about it. And, and uh, maybe you're yelling, and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're going to your spouse, your kids, we won. And they're like, oh, okay, great, <laughs> you know. But you're excited about it. Different things get different people excited. You know what gets godly people excited? You know what got Paul excited? What got Paul excited was that people gave. What got Paul excited was that people served. You know what got Paul excited? That people were growing. You know, godly Christians, you know what gets them excited? When they see somebody at church that maybe wasn't so faithful before, but now they're coming every single week. You know what gets Christians excited is, is when they see here something like, oh, two years ago we gave this much for missions, and this year, now, two years later, we're giving nearly double that. Hey, that's exciting. Think about all the extra missionaries that we can support. You know what gets Christians excited, people who are following the Lord, is that when they come to an activity, they say, hey, this guy's never served before. He's never been out here before. But now he wants to come out, and now he wants to serve, and now he wants to participate. You know what gets me excited as a, as a choir director is if I got somebody who had never been a part of the choir, and now they're a part of the choir this year. Amen. That would get me excited, you know, to see people, to participate, and to serve, and to get involved. That's what gets Christians excited. It develops thanksgiving. Praise the Lord that God is working in the heart. Praise the Lord that they're following God. Praise the Lord that they're serving God, and it gets them excited. Hey, you want to get your church excited? Maybe you come to church and you're like, ah, I don't really feel like anything's going on. I don't really feel like it's that excited. Come and serve, and you'll be excited, and others will be excited too. Come and give. Come and participate. Come and be involved. You know, when we have some things, move aside some things in your schedule so that you can make it. I know sometimes it's inevitable and you can't make it, but, you know, things like, hey, we have a, a men's fellowship that's coming up in the first week of November. If you can make it, let's go. That'll be exciting. We'll have a great time. You know, last year we had, a, I think, five or six of us, we went. We got some great coffee early in the morning, amen? Yeah, we got some great coffee. And then we went, we heard great preaching, and we had some great fellowship, and we had a great tri-tip lunch, and we had more great preaching, and we had great fellowship on the way back. It was awesome. It was great. And we were excited about it, and I'm excited about it this year. You know, different things get different people excited, but those that are believers and following the Lord, you know what gets them excited? That there are more people coming along, more people following God. You see that there's considerable gratitude that develops when we serve the Lord. Fourthly, I see Christ's glorification. Verse number 13. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ. 
another harvest that happens, or another fruit of the harvest that happens when we serve God is that Christ is glorified. And really, that's our purpose. Our purpose as believers is to glorify God. Our purpose as a church is to glorify God. Our purpose as a group, as the body of Christ, is to uplift the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 19. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? You know, when you got saved, you weren't just saved, God bought you. And we are the Lord's, amen? I'd rather be nobody else's but God's. And verse number 20 says, Then, for ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That's our purpose here. Our purpose here on earth is not to accumulate as much as we can for ourselves. Our purpose on earth is not to enjoy all the pleasures of this life. Our purpose here on earth is to glorify God. Amen. That's our purpose. That's our goal. That's our reason for existence here on earth. You know, we're saved and we're supposed to lead people to the Lord. That's a part of glorifying the Lord. Hey, we're supposed to come to service. That glorifies God. You know what glorifies God sometimes is I know sometimes with different things, oh, my friends want me to do this and my family wants to do this. And, and there, there's all this tension, right? You feel the tension, right? My work has a, has a pull. And so I'm kind of being drawn in that direction. You know, I have obligations at work and I need to make money to survive. But I also have family and I have friends, and I have my church, I have some other things that I'm doing, right? I think every single one of us, we feel that tension, that tug that's coming from all directions, right? You know what glorifies God? Is when a believer makes a decision and says, you know what, there's only one who has died on the cross for my sins, and I'm going to serve him. You know, and I understand that my friends, they want to do this, but... My friends, as much as I love them and as, as much as I enjoy being with them, they didn't die on the cross for my sins. Only Jesus did. So I'm going to glorify him. You know what? I'm sorry I can't go this time because you want to do something on a Sunday. Sunday is God's day. Sunday is the day for the Lord. So you know what? I'm going to serve the Lord. So I'm going to glorify God. That's what happens when we make a decision to serve God and say, you know what, I'm just going to do what God says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. So you know what, I'm going to do this. And you know what happens? God is glorified. Wow, God must really be important to him. Wow, I wonder what God, he says that God died on the cross for his sins. I wonder what that really means. You know, God is glorified when we serve and we give and we live for him. That's our purpose. But you know what happens when we lift up the Lord, when God is glorified? All men are drawn unto him. Right? John chapter 12, verse 32. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. You know, there's a lot of ways to draw a crowd. You know what? If we, just, if we made a lot of changes here at the church, man, we could just draw in tons and tons of people. But our, our, our purpose is not to draw in a crowd. We're trying to draw people to the Lord and try to see people to be saved, and try to follow him, and, and serve him, and obey him. That's why we do things according to the Bible, amen? And that's why we look to God's word to say, what does God want us to do? Because we want a bountiful harvest, right? So we got to do things his way, and so that's what we're going to do. We see that Christ is glorified. Fifthly, I see that when we serve God and we sow to the Spirit, one of the fruits of the harvest is companions from God. 
Verse number 14, and by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. The church at Corinth, in this passage, we didn't read the beginning verses, but again, it deals with giving to support Paul and some other believers in different churches. But it, it tied those groups all together, their giving. The church at Corinth, they gave to Paul and it helped some believers. It tied all of these things in together. The church at Corinth, the apostle Paul and those that were with him, and the church and churches and believers that were helped because of it. You know, the great thing about working for God is that I don't have to do it alone. First of all, we understand that God says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, amen? You know, when all friends forsake us, God is always there, amen? You know, when David in, the, in, uh, in, second, in 1 Samuel, rather, he's running from Saul, Ziklag is burned, and all the people, all of his followers want to stone him. He's all by himself. His friends and family, they've all turned on him. He could still encourage himself in the Lord, amen? But I'm glad that God didn't just send us out as solo members of, you know, his team, and we all just got to do it by ourselves. I'm glad that we have a church together. You know, I'm glad that we get to serve together. I'm glad that I don't have to serve alone, that I can serve with you. Aren't you glad that you don't have to serve alone? You can serve with each other. And you can serve with me. And you can serve with other members. And you know what God does for those that follow him? He brings friends alongside. That's just naturally what happens. You know, if Jesus is going that way, and I'm following him, and somebody else is following him, guess what? We're going to be aligned together. We're going to follow him together. We're going to walk alongside together. We're going to follow him together. We're going to serve him together. First John chapter 1, verse number 3, That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We get some companions from God. I'm glad for some Christian friends that I found along the way at different churches, at different places. I'm glad for Christian friends here at this church that we could serve together. You know, uh, that's what every believer needs. Every believer needs a church, amen? You know, and, and that's one of the things about supporting missions. If you, if you haven't read some of the letters uh, when, when we're here on a Wednesday night, no, not everybody can come on a Wednesday night, but we do read the letters. We support one missionary. His name is Dwight Tomlinson. His mission's uh, name, if you will, is not a country like most of them. It's called Barnabas 1040. And his, his goal is to reach people in the 1040 window. There's a, a, a band across uh, the globe, the 10th and the 40th latitude, and all, you know, the majority of people live in that section, but so many of them have not heard the gospel. Many of them, they don't even really have a church. It's just a group of believers who, you know, uh, somebody went into the city and heard the gospel and got saved and went back to his town or village and told some of his friends and they got saved and there's just a group of uh, believers together. You know, they don't really have anything and uh, his mission is to be able to help raise some pastors and church planters to go and help them to go into the towns and villages and cities and preach the gospel and see them to be reached. And, and uh, that's a part of uh, what we can do. So we can give and help missionaries and bring church members together. We can be in fellowship together. Lastly, I see that one of the fruits of the harvest is a closeness to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 15. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. 
This, of course, is dealing with sal salvation, I believe. The unspeakable gift is God in the flesh come down. He came. He died on a cross. He was buried. He rose again three days later. You know what happens when you obey God and you serve God and you live for God is that you get closer to God. That's what happens. You know, when you follow him, guess what? You get closer to him instead of farther. You know, and that's what we as believers should be like, right? That's, that's what that says. More like Jesus. That's our church motto, right? More like who? Jesus. More like Pastor Choi? More like me? No, no, don't be more like me. Be more like him, right? Be more like Jesus. You know, our theme for the year is what? Until Christ be formed in you. You sense the theme this year? You sense the goal of our church this year? Matthew chapter 20, verse number 28 says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came down not to be served, but to serve. Guess what? You're not much more like Jesus except when you serve. Let's be a serving church. And when we sow to the Spirit and we serve, we become more like Jesus. And you know why Jesus came? He came to serve. When you come to church, hey, let's come to serve. Amen? That's what Jesus would have done. When Jesus come, would have come to our church, he wanted to serve. That's what he did everywhere, right? Read the Gospels. What was Jesus doing? He was serving. He was serving the people. He saw the people and their need, and, and he taught them, and he healed them, and he provided for them, and he did for them, and he worked for them, and he labored for them. Many times he was very tired. He would wake up early in the morning, and he would pray for them, and he would help his disciples. And what did he do when he was here on earth? He served. That's what our God did. You know what? We're not much more like God except when we serve. You know, that's what happens when we just follow and obey God and apply his word. We become more like him. That's why I was glad to see those that were able to come out yesterday. They were able to came out, come out. That's, that's a great blessing. You know, they wanted to serve. You know, there's a lot of activities and events that are going to come up in our church in the fall season and in, into Christmas. There's a lot of areas that you could serve. You know, we have a Christmas choir. We have some different events. We have, you know, a, a kid's class. And, and uh, we have outreach and, and all sorts of different things, providing food and, and uh, di di just different service areas. Hey, let's get involved so that we could sow and we could reap bountifully. James chapter 4, verse number 8 says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, again, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Hey, let's be a generous church. And we're already a generous church, I believe. So many of you are generous with your time, with your service, with your giving. We can be excited about that. We, get, we can be excited about being able to give more because it's, it's an investment. He that soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Let me ask you, how's your harvest today? How's your harvest today? 
You feel like, you know what, I'd like a little bit of a better harvest. I'd like a little bit of a better reaping. Here, let's sow more bountifully, and we could reap more bountifully. Let's pray.